This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 535 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, March 28th, one day away from opening day. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by not only Justin Mason, but also Eno Mother Bleepin' Saris. Gentlemen, what's going on? We brought the band back together. We sure did. How's everyone doing? This is super <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I got my new girlfriend, I got my old girlfriend, and I decided to have a podcast with them. What's up? And Justin, Justin's allowed to talk now, huh? Exactly. He gets, he gets to talk all the time now. It's way different than when you were around, when you used to demand that he not even look look you in the eye. You had weird <laughs> Did you not read my writer? Yeah, the writer was detailed. Well, thankfully, and the height difference made it hard for me to do that. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't even sweating it anyway. Um, no, of course. Where's my beer? Of course, you know, you know, from the athletic, uh, so great to have you on. I figured, you know what, we got to have you on soon. You said sure. I said, well, how about immediately? Why, 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 why delay it? Uh, we're a day away from opening day. Uh, I couldn't be more excited about baseball actually being here. So let's just jump right into the news. We actually have some news. You know, guys, I think I've mentioned. I think this has been the open the last couple episodes about how uh, we had a bit of a clean start to spring training and even a middle. Uh, in terms of devastating injuries, it seemed like the Rays were the only ones getting them with the uh, Brent Honeywell and um, Jose De Leon injuries. Well, they got another one, but a couple others have come, and we're just starting to get them fast and furious at this point. So uh, we got to start with Sal Perez. What the hell is Sal Perez carrying his own luggage for? Because apparently it, it cost him. He tore his MCL. He's going to be out four to six weeks because he slipped. And uh, wrecked his knee carrying his luggage on Tuesday. Eno, this is a big hit for the for the Royals in terms of uh, of their overall team, which is not as important because they're definitely not a team this year that that is is set to compete on any level. But it's a big hit to the catcher ranks. And when you spend some some uh, some draft capital or some auction dollars, you're paying up for uh, for Sal Perez. How devastating is this four to six week loss, and how much can it linger when he does return? An MCL tear in his uh, left knee for Sal Perez. Well, he's a big dude, you know, and, I, and he's caught a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if it lingered a little bit and took a little bit longer. He he actually ends up in being in a sort of tier that I usually kind of piece out on. Same, you know, 
I, I can get with, especially in a two-catcher league, I can get with spending the money on Sanchez and Posey and maybe even Wilson Contreras. But then I kind of would rather get, you know, two starters or, you know, kind of do the Wellington-Castillo, like Wilson-Ramos pairing type deal where, you you know, two decent guys that have some things that might go well, well, well for them, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, not like uh, I, I don't really want to pay for Evan Gattis not knowing exactly how many plate appearances he's going to get. And, um, you know, Real Muto is not going to have runs in RBI. Anyway, so I, I don't end up with a lot of shares of Sal Perez most years because he's kind of in that middle tier. But it is it, it does make catching thinner. And I've, and I've found that catching is pretty thin. I have about, I'm about to have an 18-team di- uh, dynasty draft. And I've been punting on catching for a long time. And As the best... Should. The best available for me in this draft are like Tyler Flowers and Austin Hedges. So um, it's ugly. It's getting kind of thin, I think, and it's, it's only going to get thinner now. So that's too bad. Yeah, that that honestly, your plan is uh, very similar to mine. I I am open to the top tier, those top three guys uh, in a two catcher league: Sanchez, Contreras, Posey. But then I really don't get in in that middle tier where where Sal Perez was going, and then I find some guys before the end tier too. I don't quite go all the way to the end. Uh, you know, like a guy like Tucker Barnhart, uh, even before he started raking in spring, just because he has guaranteed playing time with his uh, with his catching prowess. Justin, how have you approached catcher? Did you get any Sal Perez shares this year? Uh, I have zero Sal Perez shares, as I usually do, because I usually kind of do what you guys do, especially in a a one-catcher format. I'll be the last guy to take one. In two-catcher formats, I want one of the studs, typically, and then I'll kind of fill in with a a, a later guy like a Tucker Barnhart, I think is a really nice example. Yasmany Gordal has been going off uh, the board really, really cheaply this, uh, this spring as well, so... But I'm, I, that's a that's a name I believe in. I I I I believe in. I think people are going a little bit too hardcore into the Austin Barnes thing in the in the World Series, okay. and uh, he's a swing changer this 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 uh, spring. He's been he's been trying to launch the ball more, uh, and he already had good power. And especially in OBP leagues, I'm a big fan of his. Even as somebody who was aggressively beating the Austin Barnes drum. Uh, once I started to see the prices of 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 the two, I really started to lean toward Grandal as well, and I was open to getting both. But uh, there was also injuries for Barnes that that were going to limit him. He didn't win the job, so you know there is the uh, the the injury to Justin Turner, which kind of helps Barnes get a, get more time at second base because of the way it shuffles around the infield. But uh, yeah, Grandal has been somebody I've been definitely seeking out. So uh, okay. If you have to replace Sal Perez, what, where are you looking among guys that might be available? I mean, uh, let me let me try to hit y'all with some names because this is going to be tough. Let's assume um, we'll, we'll we'll just hit a few ranges here, so we'll try to cover two two and one catcher leagues. Um, how do you guys feel? Uh, you know, I'll start with you, James McCann uh, and Christian Vasquez, Russell Martin, and uh, Alex Avila. What do you like out of that quartet? I would have been all over Alex Avila, except for the humidor makes me a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And um, what were the other ones? You had um, Russell Martin, James McCann, and I Christian think I'm Vasquez. James McCann. Christian Vasquez really had like a Babbitt inflated line last year. I'm not sure that he's going to have that batting average next year. And if he doesn't have that batting average, he's like a homeless person's <laughs> Russell Martin. 
<laughs> you know? Sweet, sweet, sweet way that you well, want like to uh, settle younger. your si- situation. No, no, I, to- I totally younger, get it. I totally get it. A homeless current Russell Martin is is uh, probably like Blake Swihart. Um, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> but James can at least hits lefties really hard and, um, has playing time for days. Has playing time for days. Yeah, You're the I, one actually trying to take his playing time. Jared Saltomachia is, uh, yeah. lingering around and I, I think he might've won the secondary job behind. I have behind more of my hair. All right. <laughs> That's Dude, true. He's losing his, you have your hair. You know hair. what? Don't wear baseball caps, people. Don't wear baseball caps permanently or else they will impact your hair. It looks like he's not making Oh, John Hicks looks like he's going to be the backup in Detroit. Anytime you can get the backup catcher in Detroit right now uh, in their current state, you definitely want to do that. Uh, Justin, I want to throw two other names out. Yes, absolutely. Austin Hedges. Okay. Uh, he's not going to hit for batting average, but he has wow. sort of revamped his swing for power. And, and, and it's, uh, it's my notion of the, when the defense guarantees the spot, get a guy. He gets to learn on the job. Uh, the playing time volume certainly helps. I like the Hedges call for sure. And the, and the other thing that I've been doing more this spring um, has been sort of defaulting to younger guys. Mm-hmm. Especially um, behind the dish. Yeah, behind the dish. And then also just in general, we've seen from Jeff Zimmerman's work that players don't really go up anymore. They just get worse and As a general trend absolutely the aging trend just kind of you come in at peak and then you, you really start to go down obviously there's individual exceptions but as a rule if you were going to lean one way it should be toward the younger end of the curve which is different than it was you know back in the day when when the younger guys had to kind of go through their growing pains then there was that 25 to 29 range that was really great and then it would start maybe dropping off as a uh, as, as a 30 something Back in the day, if we'd had this during the steroid era, we might have said, you know, fade all like young rookies. They've got adjustments to make and you've got your 30 year old 30, 30 shortstops, you know, that are awesome. You know, <laughs> and Russell Martin would probably be hitting like 28 homers. <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, That's great. See, he's just so durable. Wow. I, just, yeah. I don't mean to uh, smirch his good name. By the way, he right. didn't do anything, but that would be that type yeah. of guy. It would be that type of guy. Era. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, <laughs> So uh, Travis Darno is another one. Um, okay. These are two young guys that have some of their adjustments behind them, have a job, have swing uh, adjustments in their present, and have had interesting springs. Hedges has hit the ball really hard in the spring, and uh, Darno has just had a great spring overall. And before you say spring stats don't matter, they do, not a lot. You can't say that they mattered like 100%, but uh, Dan Rosenheck did the research and found that if you take – projections and you put strength spring training data in them you improve the uh, uh you improve your projections particularly with power uh being yeah. a big being a big standout and then strikeouts and walks on both ends and, and, and steals attempts darno has struck out five times against six walks so See, now that's that that i have a fair amount of darno shares there is a great de- there are a great deal of catchers that are raking this spring, which is which is probably happenstance, but it's really interesting. Perez was one of them. He had six spring training homers and a thirteen oh nine. So that, that's one Grandal we've mentioned. Uh, Mike Zanino, the worst player in the universe, has five homers and a twelve forty nine OPS. <laughs> Tucker Barnhart, uh, Austin Hedges has four uh, four homers. I think if, you, if you have Sal Perez, I think it serves you better actually to take a shot at one of these guys because what might happen is, I mean, you got a free sort of four to six week shot, right? 
Yeah. Take, take a shot at a guy with upside. See, you know, like, I feel like Russell Martin is going to be there later. Unless it's auto new. You know, I have Russell Martin as or like a two third. catcher. Yeah, or, or two, two catchers. catchers. That, that changes things. But it, it, in like a one catcher, just go take Darno. Take take the young guy you like the best. And, yep, and just go for it. Barnard has some interesting things going for him, too. Take one of those three, Hedges, Barnhart, or, or uh, Darno. And, I mean, McCann is, is okay, but I, I don't think he necessarily has a ton of upside. I would rather take one of these younger ones. Maybe you establish that you've got something. And then when, McCann, when Perez comes back, you can maybe trade him. In two-catcher, Justin, you're probably scraping pretty hard uh, for, for a replacement here, which is really tough. Are you looking at an aforementioned Swihart, who uh, should make the team because he's out of options, but but might might actually bounce around uh, a little bit and play play some other positions besides catcher because Vasquez is kind of locked in. Even though I agree with the the assessment, actually, I don't know. Wow, they're going to carry three catchers. Uh, Roster Resource has Sandy Leone yeah, making the team as dude, well. Yeah, uh, Swihart is going to be like a like a infielder or something like i think yeah. he's gonna uh come he's gonna replace devin marrero who's traded to the um diamondbacks diamondbacks so why, i don't i don't, why I don't sign, oh i don't know that's that's interesting because yeah, I, I think they're like expecting maybe sandy leone to fall apart because he's he was kind of like a late career resurgence guy but they'll give and him it, a shot to do it at least yeah, and if he doesn't do it again they're like we got swihart leone is more of an organizational guy you know Justin, um, if you if you were so thinking, yeah, I think you know, that it, makes Swihart an interesting bet, right? Sorry. Yes, I I, I agree because um you know he was a heralded prospect. He hasn't really put it on paper yet, but he was a heralded prospect. And if he isn't going to be catching, that's almost better because then he's he's less uh, less likely to hit the wear and tear as much at, for Blake Swihart. So I kind of like him, uh, Justin. I would ask you know this one, but he doesn't believe that he exists. What about a Tom Murphy backing up Chris Iannetta out in Colorado? Real player, believe it or not. Didn't Tom Murphy get optioned? Did or? he? Okay, see, I'm a clown. Let me double up. check on that because maybe, maybe maybe I'm thinking maybe it was Walters. Is it Walters? And, yeah, yeah I Walters. Can, I confused here's, the two. Here's the name. Yes. Uh, Roberto Perez, I think, is on the cusp of winning the starting job in Cleveland. Also raking has uh, five spring training homers, 1150 OPS. And- They've preferred his calling and framing to Jan Gomes as Jan Gomes is the whole time. And Gomes, I mean, just putting up some hitting, awful okay, but... offensive numbers the last oh, two years. No, no, no. Oh. In spring, he is. I just meant yeah, in yeah. in the regular seasons. Yeah, and I think if you if you prefer the framing and calling and the offense is you know come see come saw, then you you might as well just uh, go with the framing and the defense. So I think it might be close to a fifty fifty split or something like that. Um, and he's not available everywhere, but he was my uh, – when Bruce Maxwell went down, I, I spent $4 in AL Labor uh, to get Roberto Perez because of, you know, my insider knowledge from all my beat writers. This is what I've been doing, actually, I for like drafts. It. It's been slacking, DMing people on Slack. Hey, 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 uh, I, I got this injury. What, what do we got here? <laughs> who's who's going who's gonna to back up on the infield? <laughs> I love it. That if you're not doing if you're not doing that, then then what what good is your access if you're not using it for fantasy well, prowess? I think that there's people, a basis of a book, by the way, Fantasyland by Sam Walker. I think yeah, exactly. And I think listeners can actually do it too. I think that's the thing about Twitter that's so great is that you can go to Jordan Bastion and ask him the seemingly. You don't have to make it sound like fantasy. You can just be like, exactly. Hey, you know who's gonna 
You know, who's just don't say I, I'm in this league. Should I pick this? Yeah, just just ask that. the question. But yeah. apart from that, because yeah. if it is fantasy, it would be a turnoff, right? For for a guy like that. But but if it is just, hey, you know, is uh, Roberto Perez really getting that getting that starter's job? Boom! All of a sudden, you got it. You got somebody that you can consider. Uh, we yeah. got to move on. We got a couple pitcher injuries. This one, unfortunately, is not surprising, but it is a bummer. Uh, Nathan Ivaldi hurt again didn't even make it out of spring he was uh he was throwing the ball hard of course he always does that it was looking like maybe there's a little something here he's gonna oh he's gonna undergo surgery right now the rehab is is six to eight weeks it's not quite uh it's not tommy john it's loose bodies so we're looking at a couple months i had a hard time pushing him above 90 not necessarily just because of tommy john but second the second tommy john has twice the failure rate of the first I, i don't know if this is Failure, but it would be his third Tommy John. Well, he had this one is the loose bodies is what I'm saying is the, the Tommy John he had has a, had a really high failure rate. So oh, you're saying this is the failing of that second Tommy John could be or just I didn't push him in the rankings because even though he looked good and he was throwing the ball hard, um, I, I was like, you know, the, there were times when I forget who the guy was, Brandon Beachy. Yes, I remember Brandon Beachy. Brandon like Beachy had a pretty good spring Tommy at John. some point off the second Tommy John, I think, and then just didn't make it. So, <clears throat> RIP. Um, Johnny Venters is back. but uh, From his ninth. No, literally, <laughs> from literally his third, though. I was the high guy on Ivaldi at the, at the, uh, on the SP ranks, and I had him at 105, so I couldn't even get oh, that excited. So I pushed Justin, him to like 95 or something. Yeah, you, you, you were the aggressive one. Justin, was he, was he, uh, was Ivaldi anyone that you were looking at? And, and is it a flat cut in all formats now? Oh, no, look at this. Know? I have him at 105. <laughs> look at that. Mind we're melt. Still in sync. Mind melt. Justin, you're back off the pod. Eno's back. Oh, man. Terrible guy at the same spot. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, what, what do you what do you think here? Was it, Is this somebody that you're even going to hold in your uh, D, on a DL spot in AL only, or, or are you just washing your hands of Ivaldi? I think you have to wash your hands of him even in AL only unless you have unlimited DL spots. Uh, <laughs> I got him in a number of AL onlys uh, for a buck or two, and I, I'm really <laughs> bummed by this. So... Uh, and I'm interested to see what they're going to do with their rotation because Roster Resource has Tampa three man Bay. man rotation. Yes. <laughs> they literally have a three-man rotation on Roster Resource right now. Like They have no idea what they're going to do. They traded Andrews? away. Austin Pruitt, he says, shrugging. Uh, Andrew, is Andrews know. in the rotation already? Um. I thought he was the headliner of the bullpen game. Like when they have to have a bullpen game, I thought he was the the starter for those. Stretch him out. I bet you Andres is is in. Yeah. By the way, could could there be a better poster boy or poster team? I guess for you can never have too much pitching. This is why when your team has six starters and you're clamoring for them to trade that extra starter, that you need to shut up. Isn't this the exact same thing that happened with the Dodgers last year where, like, oh, they have so much pitching, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, where'd all their pitching go? And (laughs) there's no such thing, and you don't always have to trade that extra guy, especially when it's only, like, six or seven. I mean, if you have ten that could reasonably start, then maybe you can can move. But until then, I, I... you can't, and you're right. Roster resource just lists Archer, Snell, and Faria, but has uh, Andres and Pruitt. That's it. We're going with three. Uh, Yanni Chirinos is in there. Is in their bullpen here too, and he was a, a Carson Fringe five guy multiple times. Throws really hard. Has some interesting secondary stuff. 
could be could be a name to watch out for in AL only, but I I, I wouldn't get too hung up. In fact, I want to move on from Evaldi because I mean, let, yeah. let, let's just be honest, this is done. The so, one that really makes me sad is AJ Puck. This was my AL Rookie of the Year pick. I was really excited about him. Oh, he was I, part of. I fell reason. in love with him at, at dude, spring training, dude. It, I just I th- I thought we were. Oh no, nice. AFL, right? Did we see him at the AFL? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I really thought we were going to see a breakout out of Puck that would really help this team because I actually think this is a fringe uh, wild card contender too in Oakland. They're they're just kind of solid yeah, all over. They the got place. some pitching. <laughs> Something like AJ Puck coming yeah. up, 150 innings. So now he's going to miss with Tommy John. Um, th- more of a dynasty league thing, right? Cause the year is washed. You don't, you don't have to worry about them in restart leagues, but you know, uh, dynasty, do you go out and buy now or, or when somebody gets hurt like this uh, as a pitcher, uh, do you just say, forget it and, and not even worry about it? I, I, I think you buy, I mean, he'll be 20, you know, he comes back late one. Yeah, late next year, he's going to be 23. He'll really kind of be having his first big season, hopefully at age 24 for A.J. Puck. That's not old, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I I, there, I guess you you sort of have like a revisionist history and you look back and all that deception and all that sort of crazy uh, way that he hides the ball and his crazy delivery that's so hard to stand in the box against. You're like, oh, maybe that's bad mechanics. I don't know. I, I think... Um, I think I would buy. I, you know, I'd, uh, with the caveat that I'd rather have hitting prospects first. But like, mm-hmm. who would you rather have, AJ Puck or Tuku Toussaint? Uh, who would you rather have, AJ Puck, Mike Soroka? These are guys I like. I still might take Puck because Puck had the better minor league numbers, it's the better strikeout up. numbers. You know, lots yeah, of might- gas. He didn't really have the command problems that Tuku Toussaint has. You know. No, and he did walk guys, but it, again, it wasn't re- really major command and control issues for Puck. Yeah. He had a 3.4 coming up in the minors, but it wasn't something where he was just completely wild. He just has some some big stuff that, that kind of works the edges. Justin, what is your natural uh, uh, course of action here for, for young guys in Dynasty Leagues who haven't debuted yet, who get Tommy John big-time prospects? Do you go out and try to buy low, or do you, do you lay off? Yeah, you definitely try to go buy low. I mean, Dynasty, especially when it comes to pitchers, are a crapshoot, and so you should always devalue them a little bit because stuff like this could happen. I mean, mm-hmm. a year ago we were talking about uh, who, let's see, uh, Brent Alex Honeywell, Reyes. Alex Reyes, uh, the Dodgers prospect uh, that I'm blanking on his name right Walker Mueller? No, no, the other one, uh, Urias. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was God's gift to pitching, mm-hmm. and, and he, that's still one of the saddest injuries because we have no idea. Yeah, and he was going to make a 2017 impact, never did. Um, you know, it's not like Puck was going to be up necessarily to start the year. I think there were some people thought maybe he'd be up after the uh, the you know April 14th deadline where, where people or teams can get an extra year of control. There was no guarantee of that, especially with the A's and the way they, they kind of hold down service time at times. So, um you know, it sucks and it hurts, obviously, in your 2018 leagues uh, or if you were trying to compete. But if a guy who's trying to compete has him on their dynasty league, people tend to overval- or overrate these kind of injuries to prospects long term. I don't see him dropping outside of the top three or four pitchers in terms of dynasty ranks anyways. Uh, for prospects, I mean, look, the same thing happened to Alex Reyes last year, and he's still considered a top two pitcher in terms of dynasty ranks right now uh, for prospects. So 
uh, I think people will overreact to this and try to sell. Uh, and if they do, try to take advantage. I, I would agree there. I think that's the, the right setup. Um, generally agree with fading pitching prospects or being weary of them. But in a situation like this, and, and it is a case-by-case case because all three of us have I, – I don't know, Justin, did you feel pretty good about Puck before this? Oh, yeah. Or, I or, had him on my okay. invitational squad. I've got him so on another like teams. It. Yeah, it's – it's it's really unfortunate because I thought he was going to be uh, making an impact early on in the year, and I thought he was going to be really good to you know as soon as he got there. Exactly. So we we all like that this guy in particular. So keep that in mind when we're talking about him. That uh, we already rated him pretty highly. But if you like a pitching prospect, he gets hurt. Yeah, go out and buy. This is your chance to get something on the cheap. Maybe and not. Real- the guy in L.A. who has the shoulder surgery, uh, Uri- uh, Urias, is, because yeah. that is looking that's like one that deal. could be that's slap I mean, surgery. That's such a game changer, yeah. and, and and we have not seen positive results from that from anybody. So we, re- you really have to be careful with him. I would not go out and buy Julio Urias, um, but but a standard Tommy John. I know standard, you know standard when it's not happening to you. Th- things can still go wrong. I, I Just, understand all that, but by and large, it's a relatively safe thing that you can go out and buy on a top 10 prospect a top 10 pitching prospect has like a 45 to 50 percent bust rate you have to add sort of 10 percent um because of the, the surgeries you know 60 like percent or something yeah so i mean uh standard it's, nothing to you know we all know we all know prospects are like that yeah Exactly. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit about uh, strategy in the first couple weeks, right? Tomorrow kicks off, and we are going to be thirsting for numbers like rabid dogs, trying to make the most out of everything that we see. Now, obviously, you're not going to watch something this weekend and, and, and be able to perfectly identify this year's breakouts. But it's also not worthless. And in, in today's game, you have to jump. You don't get a chance to say, I got to let two, three, four weeks pass and, and let things stabilize. It is a buy now, ask questions later sort of situation in leagues, uh, you know, with the inter- in the internet age. So, Justin, let's start with you. How do you manage the first couple of weeks of your fantasy team? Let's say uh, just kind of a standard 12-team mix. That's kind of like right in the middle, you know, where there's, a lot, you know, pretty star-laden teams, should have some stuff on the wire. How do you react in the 12-team or these first couple of weeks? Do not overreact. Like you, you, you put together a team, you drafted a team uh, based on, you know, if you're anything like me and if you're listening to this podcast mostly, you probably are someone like me. So you put a lot of work into the offseason. You did mm-hmm. a lot of prep work. Do not overreact to like things, you know, other than injuries. Like don't overreact to like huge things that happen in the first, you know, week or two. You know, you got to trust your process and. Uh, you know, you, you want to, you know, grab the next big thing. Sure, when, you know, when players come up or things like that happen. But for the most part, the first two weeks, I, I'm just letting things ride. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I, and I think that there's a pretty sharp um, cutoff of like, of like what rounds that you, you would um, be open to cutting a player who isn't hurt, maybe just underperforming. Corey Schwartz used to have this uh, a, a, a formula for it, and I can't fully remember it, but it, it correlated well with the fact that there's usually 26 weeks in a season and about that many rounds in the draft. Obviously, your reserve rounds, you should be ready to churn. Uh, I would yeah. not be precious about all those guys, but your starters that you drafted, let's say you draft 23 starters, the first one you should wait for is is like 
three weeks to start cutting a, a, a starting player. And that it's, it's around there. So it kind of matches. So you'd have and to have like 20 weeks of poor work to cut your, your fourth rounder or something like that. So, you know, what, how do you approach it? No, that's great. I love that. And also just a, a couple of things to add to that. Um, my use by bench for upside and really for upside, like if you've got an upside player on there, you've got that, if you're doing that hedges Barnhart thing or whatever, um, you, they need to have not a magical season, but they need to have like a great season where everything goes right for them to be valuable. Right. So if they go into it with th- three bad weeks or two bad weeks, move on, <laughs> you know, it's like, yep. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're bad, but they probably aren't as good as you were hoping. You know what I mean? It probably, they may get back to a certain baseline, but it might not be the breakout season you were hoping for. So that's, that's why I tried to take shots on my bench and maybe a weekend I say, ah, you know what hedges, ah, it looks like you're just going to be a 16 home or two hitter like everybody else. So, um, you know, so that's one thing I'd say. The other thing I'd say is you said injury. Um, one thing that's really interesting is that these players play through injury and the two things that we have at our disposal that we can maybe use are spin rate and exit velocity. And it can be as simple as <clears throat> just, I, I guess spin rate's a little bit harder, but if you toggle the, the baseball savant numbers, you can kind of do a, a comparison of, and early on in the season, you can just say, what's his 2016 four speed spin rate? What's his 2017 one? What's his this year, right? If it's down in the first week um, precipitously, that's bad. That uh, has I've talked to front offices that use that as a marker for injury. Spin rate's an early warning sign for injury issues. Yeah, and okay. then another one is exit velocity. Cause Korea admitted to me that he when he was injured, his exit velocity was down, and that it was very obvious. And he, that first full season, he put he labored through a couple uh, of months, yeah. October or August and September, pretty much, right? Yeah. And that I was, remember, I think, I the, the ankle or something. He had an ankle and a, and some sort of wrist or sh- wrist thing um, early on. So if you look at a player, I mean, that's that it's a little bit harder because let's say it's if it's like a if it's a good player, then you still should follow the Corey Schwartz level, right? Mm-hmm. But if you had Randall Gritchuk on your bench, bench, right, and Randall Gritchuk is struggling, and then you look at his exit velocity, and his exit velocity is down. Maybe you're ahead of the crew and you drop him, and then a week later he's got a wrist injuries on the DL. So it you still have to use the Corey Schwartz rule. That's a great one, and you should you should use that. I but agree. there are, and I would say I'd start with spin rate and exit velocity, and then the next ones are ground ball fly ball rate for batters um, and strikeout percentage for pitchers. Um, those are those are the sort of early warning sign things that I use. Justin, what uh, what early statistics are you looking at? Uh, like Eno mentioned, I like uh, I like strikeout rate for pitchers. Um, I mean, I also like to watch a lot of the starts, especially early on, and see. Definitely, you know. I mean, for me, if you know something, I talked about with you know the reason why I was a little bit off Bumgarner. Obviously, that's going to play out differently than anybody expected <laughs> uh, because my Giants are, are injuring their pitchers. 
uh, super often. They're doing something, man. They're, I mean, Ty Block. That is, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, your boy is going to get a, a perfect runway. Chris Stratton uh, is, should get plenty of, of leeway to, mm-hmm. to make an impact just by virtue of the fact that who else are they going to turn to? Derek Holland, unfortunately. So. Oh, my goodness. I, I did include him. I was, you know, I wrote a little piece on uh, the fourth and fifth starters that were kind of surprising or, or or could be interesting to pick up in the in the opening weeks. And uh, he, he was the last one included. And I didn't even really put a write up. I just said maybe there's a an AT&T Park miracle because uh, that's about <laughs> the way I need feel one. about it. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I love I love Derek Holland when he was a prospect, but this is one of those oh, things, too. one of those reasons why you know the whole, the whole ten step, uh, you know, moniker uh, that you and Doug used over at uh, or at that podcast that you guys did is no no such thing as a pitching prospect. Is you know Holland was supposed to be something, and he oh he was supposed to be big. He's, he's been a great change Twitter is, the change follow. Is bad, and the curve's never gotten anywhere. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it, it never really it never really came through for uh, for Derek Collins. So, uh, so I, I like all that stuff in terms of what you're looking at statistically, what you can look at on Statcast. Having that data these days, baseball savant is your friend. Velo readings we're always looking at too. It doesn't automatically mean run when somebody's velo is down, but it's certainly something to pay attention to. And you know, it has to be down, say, uh, 1.5 miles per hour or higher, right? Usually two plus is when you start to freak. Yeah, I mean, or, or be concerned, freak, not necessarily freak, but at least be concerned if you see two plus miles dropped off. At least, at least over one, one and a half, because um, over the course of the season, they are likely to get 0.7 to one mile an hour uh, to their peak in August. So if they're down a half, then they get the one, and then the average for the season will look very similar to last year's. Mm-hmm. So. You know, half to one, you're like, uh, you know, and some guys ramp up differently than others. It's just a fact. I mean, some guys, you know, uh, if you watched Granky, he came out, he was blowing 86 early on. Did um, you hear what he said? What was that? I heard something that he suggested that he was basically doing it as a goof to see if he could succeed with terrible. Oh, that was oh. that was back in the day in, in, in uh, KC, I think. Oh, okay, that's hilarious. He was screwing with his pitching coach. His pitching coach said the velocity doesn't matter. So, so he went out and threw 84 for a game and got lit up. Uh, it was a spring training game, and he got lit up. And he and he said to the pitching coach on the way out, "I guess velocity does matter." I guess it does matter a little <laughs> bit. That's so funny. That's so him too. That 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 that's great. But um, this spring, he's been saying, you know, every spring, I wonder if it's going to come back. But I think if you look at Jeff Zimmerman's sheet, which has been great, um, I think he's back up to about 91. Uh, yes, he's been he's been getting back. So. I think he's fine, but uh, there are some guys on that sheet that did worry me. Let me see what I. Uh, you know who? This is relevant if we're gonna segue, but um, Jose Barrios. I've been watching his spring starts, and I really like what he's doing. And I mm-hmm. think that his command has been better, and he's looked like a better pitcher. He was throwing ninety ninety one at some point, and oh. and I was really worried about it. In his last start out, he sat 93 plus. Okay, good. So, good. I, I thought you were going to go the other way with that. I was worried. I think and I didn't. I had no idea where to put him um, in my rankings, but uh, I did see from Dan Hayes there is a tweet that said he sat 93. I think I retweeted it, but uh, that's not on Jeff Zimmerman's sheet. But that's something to remember because Jeff Zimmerman's sheet looks really depressing for him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's okay news. 
Okay, so that is a good segue because we're gonna we're gonna close out with uh, some Eno's some of Eno's breakout starting pitchers this year, and we kind of we kind of run the gamut with, uh, with with a high end guy like a Barrios, some mid tier, and then even some some late flyers that uh, are definitely gonna be available on waiver wires as well that you can maybe look at this weekend as pickups. So let's start with Barrios and dive a little bit deeper. I'm a big fan because like whenever I watch Jose Barrios, I it, it validates why I'm a big fan. Even in some of the starts that I've watched that where he's struggled a little bit, I just see this stuff and I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I really like the way he pitches and I, and I think there's, there's growth potential for his strikeout rate for, for Jose Barrios. And so I, I genuinely like him. That said, I do think that the market really amped him up and made it so that there wasn't a lot of, uh, a, a, a lot of, plus uh, mm-hmm. sur- surplus there to to buy into you really were kind of paying for something to come through pretty big for Barrios. so uh you know let's let's dive a little bit further on this uh, Barrios love and give us some thoughts on where you see the breakout coming and what that breakout could yield in terms of some numbers by the way he was the 36th pitcher off the board can't can't separate between starter and reliever so that's 36th pitcher in nfbc right around pick 101 yeah and it was a poor choice then for this podcast because I am looking at my rankings and I have him. I just like him. So I just wanted to I just wanted to like name a picture I like. But looking at the ADPs, I should probably be talking right now about how much I like Luis Gohara or think Jay Happ is underrated because those are the guys I have. Too, by the way, those are the guys I have around Barrios. Um, and Berrios is being picked a hundred points higher than those two. So um, maybe we should just uh, say Berrios is great stuff. I think he's, I think he's sequencing them better, um, and I think he's uh, he's commanding them better. But give me a hundred points, and th- I guess the one thing about Gohara is he's hurt. Yeah, he's got the ankle, which is going to prevent him. Now, here's the thing: he might not have started with the team anyway. They're not. He wouldn't have. No, because they like there's no reason really, right? They don't fancy themselves as as legit contenders. If they but now I hear that he's going to be back with the team, you know, two weeks in. They, well, because the, if the ankle's healing, then he should be back, right? Yeah, and he becomes and, easier to roster than he would have had he not started on the team because he's going to be on the MLB DL, which means you can reserve him in a lot of formats that you wouldn't have been able to had he just been sent down to the minors. People Bingo. are asking me about stashing him and then going on and doing other things. You know, I've got a guy on the DL. I can DL him, get somebody else, DL him, go on. And I'm like, Gohar is the best DL stash, I think. Because I'm trying to think of all the DL guys. He's definitely, well, outside of like the stars, Samarja, Bumgarner. Well, Bumgarner, uh, superstar. Uh, yeah. Samarja, but solid. They might not be on the waiver wire. So you're talking about. No, no, about- okay. You're saying about picking up waiver guys, DLing them, getting another one, DLing them. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you have like unlimited or. A handful, a, hand, a, a couple free. I, I yeah, would, yeah. why not? It's uh, Gohara is sort of in that range where at least 10, 12 teamers have like they're on the wire. And I would, I love Gohara stuff. I mean, the fastball and slider are legit. And everyone, like every third changeup is like, you're like, oh, yeah. And it's uh, really hard not to see the CC comps. I know it's like basically a size comp as well, but it's <laughs> really difficult not to look at him and say, there's some CC action there, especially because his stuff's really good. Like there, it, it's not just the size comp is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other, other DL stashes are interesting. I guess Rodon, um, Haney might start on the DL. There's some, or he might just 
pitch like three or four days later. Um, I don't know. Well, we, we, no, we're going to keep getting into your uh, okay. into the rest of your your, okay, your guys here. I do want to get Justin's thoughts on Gohar. You 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 share the excitement here now that uh, now that he can be DL'd. What what do you really see out of Gohar uh, this season, Justin? I, I think he's a guy that can really excel in spite of the fact that SunTrust isn't a great park to pitch in. The fact that he's left-handed, I think, can help maybe neutralize a little bit of that short porch in right field. Uh, I think he's a guy that can. Uh, strike people out at a really nice rate. I just I love the stuff, and I think what we saw last uh, last season when he came up in the short uh, stint, in spite of the surface numbers looking a little bit scary with a four ninety one ERA, the the underlying numbers were actually really really nice. Two seventy five really uh, FIP, uh, four hundred five X FIP, uh, struck out a, uh, struck out guys uh, at over a batter per inning. Um, I think he's one of those guys that could have a 30% strikeout rate. Um, and like for me, like look at the walks. The walks were nothing. Like If he can keep guys off base, he was able to keep the ball in the yard uh, with that strikeout rate being left-handed. Uh, I think this kid has a really bright future. He's uh, one of my favorites for NL Rookie of the Year. All right, so unanimous support on Luis Gohara. Let's move on to your next one. Now, these next two are, are lower level. I can just let you and uh, Justin talk about this clown, Kyle Gibson. He indoctrinated you too. He tricked you into doing this. Did Justin set this up with you, Eno, so that you guys could talk about cool, cool Kyle Gibson? I'm I'm disgusted by both of you. You guys, you guys can do a podcast together. I'm out of here. This well, is absolutely absurd. No, that, I'm joking. Tell us about Kyle Gibson. This is definitely going to blow up in my face because I've been so aggressively against him. But uh, I'm standing by it. I'm not a fan. But what do you like here? Um, I see Rick Porcello. So I, okay. I see a, a guy who had a really great sinker and change um, and a decent breaking ball that was allowing batters to hang over the plate against him. Um, and when he when Gibson faced lefties, all he did was away, 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 away with the sinker, away with the change. And, you know, that that gets batters hanging over the plate. So I talked to his previous director of analytics, this guy Jack Goins, who used to um, who used to shepherd the, the the Twins analytics department. He actually created it, uh, oh, wow. so they they didn't have one. <laughs> uh, and like, then I'll, I'll make it from scratch. Sure. Yeah, and then the new guys came on and were like, "Thanks and goodbye." Um, so <laughs> Goins was telling me that he that he'd been sitting with with Gibson over time and that. He was telling me sort of about how he had to establish relationships with players so that they could feel that he wasn't telling them that they had to do something or else they'd cut them or trade them. You know what I mean? Like, so he had to, he, he had to establish trust over time. And even though he had this idea that Gibson would be a lot better if he threw f- high four seamers along with his sinker, uh, it took some time before he felt that he had Gibson's trust enough to be like, hey, you know, what do you think of? of throwing these high four seamers mm-hmm. and you know what we found in the analytics department is that if you can throw to each of the quadrants and you can really expand the zone like that your sinker and your change are going to look so much better if you can pepper those high and high and tight four seamers in on him and uh that's what he did you know that's that's where the, there was a late season breakout last year we had like a three five three six era in the second half last it's year it's true and uh it's all that high four-seamer. Now, Porcello, I, I think the reason I also like saying Porcello is I don't want people to get too excited about Gibson. You know, it's like, 
Yeah, he had a three five ERA, but look at what happened with Porcello. He had he had a you know a Cy Young type year, but he's also kind of settled in, and you know it is a sort of trick that players can adjust back to. But however, Rick Porcello's baseline is better than what Gibson's done for most of his career. Yeah, and if you so, get if you get a, a you know a medium <laughs> Rick Porcello season at, at Cal Gibson's cost, yeah. That that's what I'm saying. Works, Justin. You want to you want to add some thoughts? I know you've basically made your thoughts known, but if you want to put a little capper on that, we'll move on to the next one here. Yeah, I mean, he he made some he made some mechanical changes. He he's changed his spot on the rubber, uh, changed his arm slot a little bit, and from that from that point on, from making those mechanical changes, ERA was two ninety two, eight point three strikeouts per nine, kept the walks under two, uh, per nine, uh, kept the home run rate, uh intact. I think this is a guy that made significant changes. The the issue like we've said before is he's done stuff like this before and then reverted back to the Kyle Gibson of old. So there's obviously some risk and I do believe like Rick Porcello there are going to be some bad outings. Uh the schedule shapes up somewhat decently. The only good really good offense in that division that he's facing is Cleveland. He's going to miss out on that Cleveland start. Uh, or the the first Cleveland matchup, so he's going to start starts with Baltimore, then gets Seattle, Houston, which obviously Houston's one you're going to want to sit down. But then the White Sox, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, uh, as long as the uh, you know rotation doesn't get shuffled around. So I think he's a guy that could start off really really nicely this season. All right, we'll see, guys. We'll see. I don't have any Kyle Gibson shares. By design. All right, this last one's really interesting. Uh, by the way, I'm going to break everyone's hearts right off the top. We can't we can't go nine hours. Eno had a tight schedule. Eno's big time for us now. He can't be settling <laughs> in for three hours. We only got an hour. Uh, so we're going to respect his time and, and be tight on that. But uh, I, we do have this last one, and he does interest me a little bit because I remember rostering him for some spot starts last year. And it's Sal Romano out in Cincinnati. I think a lot of folks aren't even going to necessarily uh, be aware of him. You know, the, the Cincinnati pitchers that are getting love, of course, are Luis Castillo. Uh, I know T- Tyler Molly's gotten a little bit of, of love. But uh, Sal Romano, interesting name as one of your potential breakouts, having a nice spring. Eno, talk to us about Sal Romano. I wish I had talked to him when I went and talked to Amir Garrett about how great his hip is and how he's throwing 95 now. And I talked to Robert Stevenson about the new slider. Um, and I wish I had just stopped by Sal Romano. But I did late season uh see sal romano in new york um when i when i ran into the reds clubhouse and got three seconds with joy Votto, um which sounds like a fanfic but uh, <laughs> let's move on <laughs> that's about how long you'd, you'd last i'm sure Continue. Oh, oh that's dirty uh so anyway <laughs> um uh uh jeez <laughs> Rattled me. Um, Got gotcha. you. So, <laughs> no, Sal Romano said he made an adjustment with his with his changeup, and you can see it in the numbers. He had the best drop and the best velocity gap on his changeup in his last three starts uh, that he had all season. And I'm not sure it's going to be an amazing pitch, but if it's a decent pitch, he's got that fastball slider thing going. And if it's if he can show it enough. Um, I think he can be a, a good major leaguer. Uh, just to provide context about how much I like him, I have him at 96, uh, just ahead of Brian Mitchell, who I think has a really boring fastball, uh, just ahead of Matt Strom, who I think is somewhat interesting but uh, has some issues as well, and just behind uh, guys like Zach Davies and Matt Boyd, who I 
you know, I like a I like in uh, in you know fifteen team plus leagues. Okay, uh, Justin, do you have any thoughts on Sauermano as a potential deep league breakout? I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on uh, on that changeup. He he needs that third pitch. I like the fastball. I like the slider, but uh, the changeup has to at least be showable for him to have a chance, especially in in Great America Ballpark, where you know obviously home runs can crush you. So. Um, you know, if the changeup, if he's made some changes with the changeup, I think he's worth a gamble. Uh, you know, uh, in you know your deeper formats, uh, if you know if he doesn't seem to be commanding it well, if things haven't progressed, I think he's an easy drop. So I think he's a nice little lottery ticket. All right, I think that that uh, that definitely works. Like I said, I remember slotting Sal Romano in for some uh, for some spot starts last year. I, I still think Cincinnati's on the come up. I'm not sure that there's anything this year that they can necessarily do unless they get some big pitching surprises, like kind of out of nowhere. Not and Sal Romano could be one of them, or like uh, Bailey Garrett or throwing Stefani. 95. Garrett, I love him as a three inning guy. By the way, I really hope they use him as a multi inning reliever and not just one and done because. I'm I'm still not sure he's got five six innings in him, but I think he could be great in that role. And they've they've shown openness to using it. They've let uh, Michael Lorenzen do it. They've let Bryce Iglesias do it. Like they're open to it. So I think it's the right team for Amir Garrett to be on and be mm. a three inning guy and get say 110 innings mostly through the bullpen and some spot starts of course if he pitches well enough though uh, a spot will open up and he will join the rotation so i do like him as you did mention amir, amir garrett, garrett i think well. is actually um has been somehow thrust into a rotation start coming up wait he is because i remember initially it was going to be the bullpen remember yeah. last year when you and i were talking about amino we were saying where the hell is the 95 and that's that, that's what he talked about with me was that and it's he, here his hit was well, hip hurt yeah so so, so. yeah let's like, we'll end with him because we have a couple more minutes here on the hour uh give give us a few more thoughts on garrett and and if we can see remember last year he got off to a good start but it was a little smoke and mirzy for sure i remember there was a start against uh milwaukee that really looked ominous for him oh. and it ended up being such and it really kind of uh set him down a path of, of struggling more or less the rest of the year with a, a few sporadic uh, uh instances of, of yeah. quality there for garrett but but, but, well, but talk to us about his uh, outlook this year his first couple starts were okay, and then, yeah, then he sort of wobbled. And that's what he was saying about the hip was that he wasn't doing any sort of stretching or hip work or, or preparation in that way. He wasn't doing any Pilates or yoga or anything. Um, and he was just landing on that hip uh, repeatedly, and he said it hurt every time he landed. Um, so that affects command. He had that crazy walk rate, uh, affected his velocity. Uh, what I'm reading here, the Rotowire update, is that Garrett could start Tuesday against the Cubs now that the Reds will need a fifth starter. I, I wonder. I, yeah, the, I've got even not a could here. See Trent Rosecrans from from the Athletic. Have you ever heard of that website? Yeah. Apparently says it's a go because of a postponement yesterday. It's because of the postponement. I thought so. They, the Reds game is postponed tomorrow, so that's that's created a need, I guess, for the for the fifth starter. Um, there you go. In any case, uh, I think uh, it would be great to have Garrett. I'm going to have. I'm not going to start him, I don't think, but I'm going to have Garrett on my bench for those for that game in a lot of leagues. Um, and, and I guess I got into an argument with somebody. Um, I think he writes for like the, the, the Dynasty Guru or something, and he was saying the changeup is bad. And I can see that. Uh, I, like, when I look in the numbers, I can see what he's talking about because by movement, 
the the changeup on Garrett is not uh, good. It's it almost has exactly the same movement as his um, as his two seamer. Okay, and that's that's usually bad. But let's see here. The change, yeah, his four seam and change have exactly the same movement. Like exactly, <laughs> you not ideal. Not this ideal. Is Amir, Amir however, Garrett. We're still talking about, by the way. Amir however, eleven mile an hour velocity gap. So that certainly helps, right? Some guys have velocity and movement. Changeup does not look any different than his fastball. It just Oops. has a twelve to fifteen. Tyler Clippard. Okay. It just has like a twelve to fourteen mile an hour gap. So, and his it, has always been very successful for him. So sometimes it can be just the velocity. Sometimes it can be just the movement. Sometimes the best changeups, of course, are both. Yeah. Right. But this, in this case, eleven mile an hour gap. That makes me stand up and notice. Like Romano's had improved to eight or and that's average so you've got that three extra mile an hour difference now you're talking about a pitch that looks like the four seam but is 11 mile an hour slower that's gonna that's gonna affect that's gonna it's gonna show up like a two tenths of a second later and you're gonna even, with, even without movement uh yeah. you know fade action or or, or yeah. anything like that it'd be great for ground balls which it was uh like 60 percent ground balls last year it got 11 percent whiffs um even with this crappy movement and that might be just good enough because what you're talking about here is a slider got 21% whiffs. Good, 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 good slider. Changeup, if it keeps at 11% whiffs based on that velocity gap, his forcing last year has a problem, 4% whiffs. However, his forcing last year was like 91. Mm-hmm. If you tell me he's going to go, he's going to blow it up to 95, what if he gets 6% whiffs on there, 7% whiffs? Now we're talking about a totally different pitcher. Big difference there for yeah. sure. Uh, Justin, do you have any thoughts on on Amir Garrett? Is he somebody that you're intrigued by, especially now if he wiggles his way in there and can maybe uh, get a few starts before things shake? Maybe he keeps his maybe he keeps himself in there. What do you think of Amir Garrett? Remember, I think it was maybe last year we were talking about uh, the struggles of Taiwan Walker with a foot injury uh, yes. and how much pain it was causing him every time he you know had foot Those strength. bone spurs. Yeah, I mean. If Amir Garrett, because Amir Garrett looked fantastic through his first three starts, and oh, then if you go back so and like compare just his mechanics, like the downward plane wasn't the same, uh, and there he was obviously struggling with something. I don't know how we didn't put it together that he obviously had some sort of injury uh, going yeah, on. Yeah, because he went. Went from great to literally worth. Like, I mean, for a run there, he was just getting his face caved in every time. Yeah, I mean, for through his first three starts, he had a sub two ERA uh, over a strikeout per inning, and then all of a sudden, just the wheels absolutely came off. So we obviously should have figured out something. Maybe I think we a lot of us in the industry just chalked it up to this is a rookie who's young, who's struggling. People forget that he didn't play baseball full time. Uh, in college, he was a basketball player too. Um, so his twenty-five is kind of a young twenty-five for for Amir Garrett's arm, especially yeah, especially in terms of his usage, but also in terms of his maturity and, and development. He still has some development to go. Uh, I think there will be struggles, especially in that ballpark uh, at times. But the, all the things are trending in the right direction for Amir Garrett. All right, I can get behind that, and so I think we're we're pretty pro on Amir Garrett. I even spiked a uh, a share of him late just in case. Last thing, guys, this off off the uh, rundown because I didn't think about it, but uh, Scott Kingery signs a long term deal so that he can be up right away, avoids the, uh, the 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 service time manipulation. Eno Scott Kingery, a big time impact guy this year. I just don't know when he's where he's playing. Everywhere, Ben Zobrist. 
I guess, but he's going to replace Franco. Most of the guys that are in there are are yeah. uh, Justin's got him kicking Franco out after a short order. Obviously, you and I have have been pro Franco, so we're hoping the opposite. And there's other people who are saying Hernandez is going to go. I don't and see that. He's at o- least good. Odubel, like you know, has some bad routes sometimes, but mm. I mean, that's the thing. There's like some wobbly situations, but like. You know, you're going to take Cesar Hernandez out after two straight years of of a 370, a 294 and 371 and 372 OBP, almost identical seasons. Like that's not saying much. Like, hey, you just put up two su- strong years, GTFO. Uh, Franco, I could see him being on the clock a little bit, right? And and mixing in, saying you you are not improving, you are actually regressing every year. So he, but I still think he gets more time at age 25. Uh, the that outfield is, that is definitely. I mean, I think. Franco's on the hot seat, definitely. He has to be. He has to be. Yeah. And Justin, um, when you saw this, uh, was this something that you thought was the writing on the wall for Franco, or do you see uh, Kingery being a super utility, literally a Ben Zobris type who plays most days, but just in different positions? I think it'll start off as a super utility kind of situation, but I think eventually he will find a home at some position. I think the Phillies are just going to play the hot hand, or actually sit the cold hand with him. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's cold or, or not performing well, that'll be the spot where Kingery goes for right now. But I think by the end of May, he'll have a full time role somewhere. Uh, he just, you know, they wouldn't have done this, signed this deal if uh, they didn't think that he was going to be able to make an instant impact. I think people are overrating him now that the contract's been signed. We saw him go, uh, I want to say, in the sixth or seventh round in a main what? event draft. Um, wow! Uh, Excuse me. I mean, he's he's still a right-hander that they may just play against lefties, and you know that's insane. Yeah, sorry. So, I that mean, is. I, I want to say Rob insane. Silver tweeted it out. Like he was in the, the the news broke right in the middle of the diamond draft, and he went in the ninth round. Wow. Um, okay. Like it, the news broke during their break, and they came back, and someone just insta insta called him. <laughs> Using a poker term, Um, so I like. I I think the. I think there's a little bit of a a, you know overinflation of his value, but more than likely you got him prior to this news breaking. I I took him uh, literally the day before in the barf draft in San Francisco uh, with like a 23rd or 24th round selection in a in a 13 team draft. Um, so I'm stoked. Like more than likely, you didn't pay much for him. He's going to, you know, at least pay back that value, if not a whole lot more. Um, but like right now, if if you want to sell, right now is the time to do it. It's definitely not the time to buy because his value will never be higher than it is right now. Yeah, I I, I really agree with uh, agree with all that. So. Scott Kingery is somebody that's got people very excited that long-term deal. It is extension season, so we are seeing guys uh, sign different deals. And uh, we'll see if any more get signed here in the next couple of days. Eno, thank you so much for being on, man. It's great to talk to you. I wish you the best this season. I'm excited to see what you've got for your first full regular season over at The Athletic. And uh, we'll definitely have you on again sometime soon. Yeah. And now let me go pick Miles Mikolas. I hope none of my guys – well. It's not up yet, so they can't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, we got to let Eno close this one out. Eno, let him know. Thanks for listening. <laughs>